Happy Thanksgiving. You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we break from our First Corinthians series to focus on Thanksgiving. This message is entitled, The Sacrifice of Thanksgiving, looking at one of the first biblical examples of a family giving thanks at an altar. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. I'm going to ask you that you open your Bible to Genesis this morning, Genesis chapter 8. I love, 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 love what we're about to experience this week. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. It's one of my favorite services of the year. Uh, I love seeing the children's reaction. Uh, One of my favorite answers was Andrew. He said he was thankful for football. And me and Tanner were talking. We're like, you know what we're thankful for? We don't have to watch the Saints lose today. Because they don't play today. So they, they, they're not going to lose. We've got so much to be thankful for. I want to begin this morning, like I usually do, by starting with a Thanksgiving story. A personal story that, that happened to me a few years ago. When I say a Thanksgiving story, I don't mean that it involved a, a turkey. I don't mean it involved pilgrims and Indians. As a matter of fact, I don't think this even happened uh, in November. Uh, I think it happened uh, earlier in the, in the fall. But I was a fairly new pastor, and a friend of mine came and preached a revival for us. And we did some door-to-door evangelism, trying to invite people to the revival while he was there. And we went to this older man's house. While we were at this man's house, his daughter happened to be there. And in talking with his daughter, she was just honest and blunt, And which, by the way, I appreciate that, appreciate that as a pastor. This young lady told us that... If we ask the question, if you died tonight, what would happen? She says, I'm not going to lie to you. I would bust hell wide open. I know I would. And she went on to explain that she didn't even have a Bible to read at home. Uh, We tried to to lead them to Christ. It didn't happen then. I I believe she's found Jesus since then. But after that, I took kind of a vested interest in this young lady. And I made it my life's interest to make sure that young lady had a Bible. Before I could do that, she came to me or got in touch with me, I believe, through Facebook. And she said, Brother Kevin, my little girl is going to have her tonsils out. Can you please pray for her? And I said, there's my opportunity. So I made the decision. Uh, I knew if she didn't have a Bible, they likely didn't have much else. So I went to the dollar store and I just bought some simple stuff, some, some, some coloring books and some popsicles. And I made sure that her and her mom both had a Bible. Now, for those of you that have jobs like maybe you're a police officer and you visit homes or maybe you work at home health, maybe you're used to seeing this kind of thing. And please don't misunderstand me. I come visit your homes. I'm not coming with a judgmental spirit. But when I went to this little girl's house for the first time, uh, for the first time really in my adult life, I was just really humbled. So it was a single wide trailer. I don't think they had heat. I don't think they had air conditioning. There was a man there who was not her father, who was not uh, the lady's husband. The, the mother and the daughter were not there. In the house, there was a literal hole in the floor. It was just bad, bad living conditions. I don't think her, her welfare was in jeopardy. But I left there that day, and I was just so humbled. And I mean, really... Church really humbled to the point. I got in my truck and I just broke down and cried. Because not even so much for the girl's sake, but for my sake. 
For the first time really in my life, instead of looking at social media and seeing what everybody else has, I felt like God just really showed me what it could have been like. Because you see, it wasn't this little girl's fault. She didn't get to choose who her parents were. And I thought about my life all the times. All the times I complained about Dad making me get up and go to Sunday school. All the times... All the times I complained about Mom working. All the times I just took for granted having, having food, having family. Having a, a family that, that cared about my spiritual well-being as well as my physical well-being. And I was just like I am now. I was just broken. And on that drive, I mean, I was, I was crying. I couldn't even call my parents, but I just sent a text message. And I just said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I also, also told my God that I was sorry. How dare I? How dare I complain about where I'm at? How dare I complain about a diagnosis of epilepsy? How dare I? The things that happened from this experience was a, a genuine thanksgiving. It was a genuine repentance. And it was a genuine commitment from then on not to go back to that place. To not look at the, the things that other people have and I don't, but to instead truly be thankful for what I have. As y'all can tell, it really, it really shook me up and it's an experience I'll never forget. And I want y'all to know you don't have to wait for Thursday to have a genuine Thanksgiving. It's one of the examples I can think of. And today we're going to read a story that I believe in the Bible shows us an example of all these things that I experience, that a family experienced together. We're going to read about Noah today. Something that we usually read over. If I were to ask you today, many of you probably know the story of Noah. Some of you in here have been like me and my family. You've even driven to the Ark Encounter up there in Kentucky. And man, it's something to behold. You remember Noah? Text says that he he was blameless in the sight of God. God's going to wipe out all of the world. But then there's Noah, and Noah finds grace. And God tells Noah his plans, and he tells Noah to build an ark. He gives him the dimensions, and Noah spends a hundred years building this colossal ark. Invited into the ark is Noah's wife, his son, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and their wives. Two of every kind of living animal. And you know the story. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and they're on the boat, and uh, God's judgment is, is satisfied. He wipes out all the earth. Then the doors open, and usually, 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 when we share this story, usually we go right from that to what? The rainbow. And then we go into the rest of the Bible. But something happens in between the ark and in between the rainbow that we usually leave out. And I'm going to read that this morning. 
And I'm going to bring out some things that maybe you've never thought about. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter 8. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. So it's time to get off to ark. This is what God tells Noah. Then God spoke to Noah saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may, be, may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? Boy, it must have been great. Out of the ark. I'm finally out of this place. I can finally breathe. I'm ready to go start my life. I'm ready to build a house. I cannot wait to get on with my life. To be honest, have you ever been in close quarters with your family? I'd probably be ready to get away from these people if I'm being honest. Let me get some freedom. But look what Noah does in verse 20. It says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Then the rainbow comes. It's interesting that Noah had spent time taking care for animals. And then he goes right and he kills them. He makes a burnt offering to God. And I argue this morning, why would Noah do such a thing? I argue this morning, it was Noah's way of saying thank you. Of giving something back to the one that gave him a second chance at life. And his family too. In the Old Testament... If you go read in Leviticus, you will find many types of, of sacrifices or many types of offerings. Five main types. There was a burnt offering. There was a grain offering. There was a peace offering. There was the sin offering. And there was the trespass offering. The descriptions and the requirements of these are found throughout the book of Leviticus. Now this happened before all of that. And yet we see that Noah presented a burnt offering after leaving the ark. So you see that this was not required. Noah did not do this because God was expecting it. God did not have any kind of requirements for this. If they, if they did, Noah didn't know about it. He just says, guys, let's get together as a family and let's give back to God. In Leviticus, you can read that the burnt offering was a voluntary offering and it had three purposes. Three purposes to that burnt offering. One was worship. Two was commitment. And three was atonement for unintentional sin. Now, I believe even though the requirements for this sacrifice were written well, well, well after Noah had this sacrifice. I look at this and I can just imagine that Noah and his family incorporated all three of the elements here. Worship, repentance and commitment. So let's talk about this burnt offering. Let's talk about what he went through. The first, the first is worship. If you want to experience Thanksgiving or if you have something to be thankful for, 
I encourage you to worship through thanksgiving. I put it in your bulletin this morning, and it's good to remember worship is a result of thanksgiving. Psalm 116, 17 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Noah didn't have a lot at this point, but he had a lot to be thankful for. I believe that is why Noah and his family took the time to build this altar. He didn't have much to give. He was homeless. He didn't have a job. He didn't have money. But what he did have, he had these clean animals. He had the best and he offered it to God. I can just imagine. Imagine with me the things this first family after the flood had to give thanks for. I imagine the children, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and, and their wives. I just imagine they took a minute. And I imagine the children probably thank God for good old crazy dad. Boy, I thought he was crazy. But Lord, thank you for dad. Thank you for crazy Noah. I imagine Noah. In that picture you see, you see the ark in the background. I imagine Noah probably took a minute he probably worshipped and he probably thanked God for the hard work. And it was hard work that God had given him. But if God had not had given Noah that task, if he would have not had given Noah the dimensions for that ark, he and his family would have not made it through the flood. Noah probably took time. I just imagine that the text, like I said, doesn't really say. But I imagine Noah probably thanked God for choosing him. Oh, God, of all the people you could have chose, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing me to do your work. I imagine looking back at that ark, I imagine all of them together, they probably came to the point where they were just thankful for that ark. That cramped, smelly, nasty home that they were in. So many places they would have probably have rather been. But I imagine in this moment, they look back and they said, thank you, God, for deliverance. Thank you for that ark. Thank you for that home. You know, I love the smell after a summer thunderstorm or after a rain. I imagine when Noah and his family exited, I can just imagine the, the aroma. It had to smell better than the ark. And I imagine they, they look around and they see this new earth. All, all the evil is, is gone. It's just different now. And I imagine they look back and I imagine they probably, for the first time, probably thanked God for the storm. Or thank you for that rain. You clean the earth. You answer my prayers. Thank you, God, for deliverance. What we see here is Noah and his family offering a sacrifice to God, offering a burnt offering, worshiping God together as a family. Not because they needed to, not because they were in a storm, not because things were bad. No, just totally voluntary. Church, our prayer lives are often very active during storms, during hard times, during times of need, during sickness, during financial trouble. Well, we would be wise to look at Noah today and give God thanks for the blessings that he's already provided. 
Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for a a Christian dad. Thank you, God, for a a Christian mom, a grandmother. Thank you for that storm that I'm going through or that I went through. Thank you, God, for the good times. Thank you, God, for the bad times. Thank you for having a plan and including me in it. That's what Thanksgiving looks like. Christian, uh, let me just tell you, when I read the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, one, one characteristic I see about God Almighty is He's always very, very intentional about who He chooses to do His work, His kingdom work. And that doesn't change with the New Testament. God was intentional about choosing you, and you should thank Him for doing so. Romans 8.28, Paul says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Church, if you don't have anything else, even if you're living in a home with a floor in it, if you have got Jesus, you've been chosen for a great and mighty work. You've got salvation. You've got so much to be thankful for. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Christians, we're not being very Christ-like if all we ever do is ask, 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 and never, ever give. We aren't being very Christ-like by not giving thanksgiving. No, we serve a good God. God, Noah had seen all this. Uh, He had seen God's judgment. He had seen God's mercy. And he had seen God's love. And Noah took time to offer thanksgiving here. But this is what I found. You see, the more I thank God... The more I see how he's worked out his blessings in my own life, the more, just like the example I shared with you, the more I look at this, this is what happens to me. I become greatly, greatly convicted of my own sinfulness. I become convicted of my stubbornness. I, I become convicted of my unthankfulness through it all. I believe. I believe Noah probably had some of these same emotions that I have. A second purpose of the burnt offering was atonement, or I would say repentance, of unintentional sin. Repentance. I don't know for sure the text doesn't say, but this is what I do know, is that Noah and his family were completely, totally human, just as you and I. And I know I know they went through years and years and years of hardship. So I think it's safe to say that after 100 years of building an ark, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, another 150 days of being on the water in a cramped, smelly boat with animals, close quarters with your family, I'm pretty confident that at some point he and his family probably doubted. They probably complained. I'm sure they grew weary, and I'm as equally confident as all of this that part of this sacrifice was genuine, heartfelt repentance. Noah and his family's repentance probably sounded something like this. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. So sorry I doubted you. 
I'm so sorry I neglected you. I'm so sorry I thought dad was crazy. I'm so sorry I thought my father-in-law was crazy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I didn't see how you were working in all this. Lord, I'm so sorry that, that I complained for, for every time I complained about the work you gave me, for the times I complained about my callous hands, for the times I complained about the ridicule I received, I am sorry. Don't you know that his sons and his daughter-in-law and probably even his wife, they probably had a come to Jesus moment here before the Ten Commandments were even written. They were probably saying, forgive me, Lord, for doubting and forgive me for dishonoring my husband and my father. Oh, God, I'm sorry for every time I didn't listen. You know, in the Lord's Prayer in Luke eleven four, 4, Jesus instructed us as believers to include repentance in our prayer. He said, forgive us our sins and forgive those who sin against us. This Thursday, when we give thanks for that turkey and that daily bread, it would be prudent for us to ask for forgiveness as well. We should make repentance part of our thanksgiving because I guarantee you this, I absolutely guarantee every person in this place, we look back over the past year, I guarantee you there's times when every one of us can look back and say we did not listen to God, when we doubted God, when we complain to God, when we didn't love our neighbors as ourselves, when we have sinned both intentionally and unintentionally. Church, Thanksgiving should include repentance. Christians make repentance part of their prayer life. When was the last time that you as a believer offered God repentance? God here was pleased with the sacrifice that Noah gave him. And I believe... I believe repentance was part of it. It was part of the burnt offering. Going down the list, we think about Thanksgiving. We see worship through Thanksgiving. We see repentance. But this is something else I see happening. At least for me, when you take time to give genuine, heartfelt Thanksgiving, when you take time to truly repent, you come to a place where you're just totally heartbroken before God and you say, I'm sorry. Well, then the third, the third purpose or the, the, third, the natural outcome of this is the third purpose of the burnt offering is commitment. Because church, here's the thing. When I see how much God has done for me, boy, oh boy, do I want to do more for Him. Let's talk about commitment. This was a whole new beginning for this family, for Noah and his boys and his daughter-in-laws and his wife. And I believe a fresh beginning likely brought about a fresh commitment. If I were Noah and his family, this commitment would have gone something like this. From now on, from now on, God, I'm going to do my best to listen and to act. I'm done with the doubt, God. I've seen how you came through. I've seen that there was a purpose in the storm. I've seen there was a purpose in the ark. I see you know better than me. So from now on, I'm committed to you. I'm going to listen and I'm going to act. From now on, God, I am going to listen, honor, trust, and obey my mother and my father. From now on, God, I'm going to lead my family 
the way you led dad, the way he led me. I'm going to be the leader you want me to be. Christians, it's a wonderful thing that God has promised never to flood the earth again. But can I tell you this? That Christ offers new beginnings. Jesus offers us hope. He offers us joy. He offers us love. He offers us a very real new life. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. How about this Thanksgiving? We start off with a fresh commitment. Paul speaking about um, a commitment, Romans 12, 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what what it is that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, commitment. Commitment is what's lacking from so many of our thanksgivings. Commit to be obedient. Commit to worship. Commit to Sunday school. Commit to serve. Commit to be a better mom, a better dad, a better spouse, a better church member. Commit to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus like He calls us to do. No, oh, we can count our blessings all we want to. But church, let me tell you, Thanksgiving, and I believe in large, is measured by commitment. Because if you're truly thankful for something... You're going to commit to be better to the one you're thankful to. No, look, I'm thankful for Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints, but there ain't nothing he's done for me. I'm thankful for, for a lot of things, but ultimately, the one I owe everything to is Christ Himself. Maybe, just maybe this morning, maybe you need to make a first-time commitment to Christ. Maybe you don't understand what it feels like to be loved. Maybe you don't understand what it feels like to be chosen and to have a purpose. Maybe you've got a lot to be thankful for, but at the end of the day, there is something missing. Can I just tell you that something that is missing is what Kelly and Carissa sung about. It's the Holy Spirit. He's knocking at the door. He's choosing you. He wants to use you. He wants you to lay your life down for, for Him to go from a sinner to a saint. You can do that this morning, right here, right now, today. Right here in front of me is an altar, much, much like the one Noah made. It's not made of rocks. And thank God we don't have to make a sacrifice because the sacrifice has already been made. For every sin you've ever committed, whether it's intentional or unintentional, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He poured out His blood for you and for me. And if you've got nothing else to be thankful for, you can be thankful for that this morning. Maybe just maybe this morning for the first time, you need to come to a place where you realize God for who He is and you see who you are. Where you repent of your sin. Or you ask God to take your sin and give you His righteousness. Thank God the sacrifice has already been made, but you must accept it. This altar, just like the one Noah built, is made for the exactly the same things. You can find grace at the altar. That's where this story began. 
You can worship through thanksgiving at the altar. You can repent at the altar, believer or unbeliever. You can find Christ at the altar. You can make a fresh commitment at the altar and God will hear your thanksgiving. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope this Thanksgiving you'll give thanks by worshiping. Worshiping through Thanksgiving. I hope part of that will be repentance. And I also hope part of that will be commitment. I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're, if you're ever in the Sinlaw area, you'll come join us for worship. Here at Dry Prong, we're right on 167. We meet every Sunday morning for Sunday school at 850 and worship at 10. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you.